it is not as easy. It's always a mix of hard skills and soft skills. And if the hard skills is something that you can train yourself, if you can take courses, if you can understand the mindsets, the processes, some of the basic standards, the soft skill part of it is something that you will have to work hard on your own selves. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Honest UX Talks. I'm Ioana, and I will introduce you to the topic for today, UX education behind the scenes. Um, for the past couple of years, myself and Anfisa have been putting out a lot of educational content out there. And uh, as many of you listeners probably know already, Anfisa has been running a successful UX course for, I think, almost two years now. Um, well, this year I also joined a UX bootcamp space with Mental Design Academy. So we've been pretty immersed in this problem space and we got to grasp the ins and outs of the educational market for UX designers. And since it's one of the most difficult spaces to navigate as an as aspiring designer, I feel like this episode will help a lot of people figure out what would be, uh, what would best guide their decisions into what educational opportunity to pursue. So without further ado, I want to introduce our special guest for today, uh, Radu Vucha, who is a co-founder at Mento and my partner in trying to improve the world of UX education through our UX UI bootcamp. Uh, Radu has been leading the design team at Fitbit for many years, has been doing a lot of mentoring on different bootcamps alongside many other cool things he's been doing. So he has a deep understanding of the problems of the of the problems that the UX industry faces. But I'll invite him to give a short intro on himself. So Radu, first of all, hi. And second of all, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Hi, everyone. And thank you, Juana and Fisa, for having me on this uh, podcast. Really nice to meet everyone here. Um, so yeah, I've been a designer for about 16 years now. I had the opportunity to build and lead a large design team at Fitbit here in Bucharest. And I've also mentored um, over, I think, 60 or 70 students for the past two years. Um, and I had the opportunity to hear a lot of frustrations or um, successes. So I'm, I'm pretty close to the um, UX education space, I would say. And that pushed me to sort of build Mento uh, together with Iwana. So I'm, I'm hoping I could uh, share some of my insights today with you. Awesome. And yeah, Anfisa obviously needs no intro. She's like the host. Uh, I <laughs> normally ask her uh, how her week went. It's like our tradition to start the episode with, but this time we're going to skip it because we have a lot of things on our plate for today and we want to uh, make the most of the time we have available for the sake of efficiency. So Anfisa, I just want to say hi. <laughs> and uh, yeah, and I just wanted to say hi and nice to meet you, Rada, because we haven't really like been able to talk before, but um well, we have a lot in common, obviously, for example, a partner in crime. <laughs> so. so Anfisa, since you've been in this uh, space for much longer and your UX course is pretty famous in the Instagram world and very successful, and you've been, you've had a lot of students and a lot of insights, I'm going to start by asking you, with all the experience you have so far, what do you think is the biggest problem with UX education right now? And then I'm also going to be curious to hear other thoughts around that, but uh, please share us your perspective. Of course. Um, I'll try to be brief again. Like we said, we have a lot of <laughs> 
questions or things we want to discuss today. So I'll, I'll go for efficiency uh, this time around. Um, in my opinion, and I think we couple, like we discussed it already a couple of times, it's a lack of regulation um, in the market as of right now. Like we do have a lot of different processes. We have a lot of different, um, I guess, tools. We, every single process is different, meaning that there is no like one standard that we could apply. We have a couple of like usability standards, or we have a couple of, um, let's say, tools that we are usually using, or even like classic processes that are famous, but not yet regulated. However, it's really hard to have like, specifically like standards for design practice, the best, the best approaches and stuff like that. So every, I think like in general, this industry is still figuring itself out by trying out different things, by realizing what's important for the design, by trying to sort of even navigate the designer journey inside the team, meaning that we have a lot of things to do, right? From the beginning to the end of the project. And sometimes designers have to wear way too many hats. So when it's too much, when it's too little, it's like always this huge question that we are still discussing a lot. And we also have discussed previously that this industry is still pretty new, right? On the market, it's been around for about, I don't know, let's say 20 years. It's very hard to measure because we can say it's 50, but it depends. Um, and so like, it's still figuring itself out, which brings a lot of discussions, which brings a lot of uncertainties um, and opinions as well, I guess. This industry is evolving really rapidly and we are all a part of figuring it out right now <laughs> until there is some regulation. And I don't think it will come in the next couple of years for sure, but we are still having like the, the will to sort of drive it and shape it in a way um, that we believe would be best for, for the industry and for the, for the space at all. Awesome. And I completely agree with uh, what you've said. And I would add to that, I'll try to answer uh, very shortly, but in um, items of three today, um, it's just uh, how I managed to kind of structure my um, my thoughts. So I think from my end, what I see right now as a problem in UX education is unrealistic promises. So I would categorize those as job guarantees, um, 10 weeks to become a designer, all that kind of uh, unrealistic promises. I think it creates some expectations for students that once they complete a bootcamp or a program, um, there will be a job waiting for them or they will know everything that they need to know to be a designer, which is not true. I've been a designer for 16 years. You guys have years and years of experience in design. We still learn every day, even if we teach others. So I think that's an unrealistic promise. The other thing that I would say is, and I see it as a mentor, is cookie cutter projects and portfolios. So because there are so many students in these boot camps um, and they're so large, they cannot personalize the experience. So a lot of students end up creating the same projects, the same name, the same case study. And it's very hard as a hiring manager, and I've been in this position, it's very hard to know, you know, who should you hire? Um, what is, what is their skill set and you know how how would you differentiate between one student uh, one candidate and another when they have the same project and exactly the same case study right and i think all of uh this sort of stems from another issue that i see which is solid curriculums so right now if you look around i think a lot of these boot camps they don't have a solid curriculum they haven't spent time building it they haven't invested in content creation 
And I think that's um, that's sort of an issue with like outdated information or things that don't make sense and they're being taught anyways, right? So that would be my top three things. It actually, uh, I had some of these points on my uh, thought list for today as well. So I'm not going to repeat it. them. Of course, uh, false expectations is something that's awfully painful in the industry right now. And the fact that um, UX educators sometimes or people who run those uh, big, I don't know, boot camps or courses or whatever, uh, they're not necessarily always transparent about how difficult it would be to find your first job and how difficult it is actually to transition. So everything is sugar coated. And I think that this is why it's really important for more uh, honest <laughs> mentors and honest UX talks <laughs> to happen in the industry and actually help people uh, uh, build the right expectations. And just like Anfisa said, understand that this is an industry that's um, now maturing, it's growing, it's evolving. So there are no fixed answers and you're not going to have the clarity that um, different educational opportunities might promise. So great points from both of you. And you took the words out of my mouth and my mind so i'm going to jump to question number two which is uh from your experience and you both have a lot of experience talking to students um i know Anfisa probably has also over 100 200 many hundreds of people who have been on her course so she knows a lot uh, what people are struggling with so Anfisa, what are the main struggles of someone who's looking to transition to ux design all right. Honestly speaking, I'm not the right person to really voice those because I've been in the, I started transitioning to design around 10 years ago. So it's not as fresh anymore, but yes, I do speak to some of the students and I hear their pains. I try to like sort of address those pains, even though it's different. Like, yeah, I'm trying to build empathy, but I'm not them. Right. <laughs> like we discussed in the previous episodes. So from what I'm hearing, a couple of things, I'm just kind of like, again, list them down is first, and I think most of us would agree with the current situation in the market and the abundance of the information. There's just way too many resources. Um, when we start something new, we obviously tend to Google it, right? And when you Google it, there will be hundreds, thousands of links for different resources. And many of them would be just copy paste of the same information, uh, not necessarily critically thought through the information, not the information that would challenge previous opinion or I guess expand on the previous opinion. It would be just like a lot of copy pastes. Um, and so first it's abundance of the information, but then it leads to also like information credibility because it's way too easy to copy paste the same information circulated all over around and self-proclaim, right? Like the guru of design and say like, hey, here I'm writing this information. So I'm smart and like, trust me, <laughs> trust me, I'm a designer. And, and so, because the information is just growing like mushrooms around, uh, it, it becomes way too easy to just read it a couple of times and then start, you know, uh, saying to everyone, <laughs> this is what you need to know. But it, like you guys established just previously, like it's not as easy as one article about personas building. And there you go. Like, let's go. <laughs> let's just build personas. It is not as easy. It's always a mix of hard skills and soft skills. And if the hard skills is something that you can train yourself, if you can take courses, if you can understand the mindsets, the processes, some of the basic standards, you can do that. The soft skill part of it is something that you will have to work hard on your own selves. 
right? You would have to learn to communicate your design decisions. You'll have to build your confidence in the design process. You will have to uh, learn to to just a lot of thinking, like critical thinking and stuff like that. A lot of things we're discussing in this in this podcast in general. And so it's like you have a lot of information, you feel overwhelmed, then you don't know what to trust, what to believe. But then you also start, you know, thinking, oh, it's just about, you know, the process. But then you start practice and there is a lot of unknowns and you self-doubt yourself. And then you start building this imposter syndrome of like, who am I? I don't understand anything. Uh, why those people are so confident and they know what they are doing and I'm not. So it's like the snowball effect that might feel huge in the beginning of any transition journey. At least that's my perception from what I'm hearing from other people. Um, and, and and maybe just a cherry on the top of a cake. <laughs> the last thing I would like to add here is that um, there are a lot of misconceptions about the entry journey. Like for example, when designers, uh, like as designers, we love beautiful stuff, right? So we would put a lot of beautiful pixels, beautiful shot online, like online on a dribble or other platforms. And then it looks like we're just doing the beautiful work, the beautiful screens, and that is it. Whereas it's just literally a tip of the iceberg. Um, and then because it's just so, so much out there on the internet, a lot of people come in the industry with this misconception that all you will be doing is building screens or pushing pixels, which is not the, the truth uh, and not the case. So um, those, yeah, I don't want to take all the points. I guess um, I'll just stop here and, and sort of pass the mic to, to Rado and Ioana. So by the way, in terms of what you said that you're questioning, like, why do these people look so confident? This is my first post podcast. So if I look confident <laughs> or if I sound confident, I am not, just so you know, because we're on honest uh, UX talk. So, um, right, we should be <laughs> honest. So I also sort of transitioned, I guess, twice to design. First, when I started first learning about design, but the the world was very different back then. You didn't have this quantity of information that you could get so easily and we barely had like broadband internet i had to use the phone to dial up into the internet to get any, any type of information and then i transitioned from being sort of like this visual graphic designer to being a ux designer while uh, i was at adobe and i learned on the job so the transition was very frustrating i didn't have as much structure as programs these days give you so my points are sort of from my students. So what I've noticed um, they're struggling with when transitioning to UX design. And uh, again, three quick points. So the first one is being disciplined and finding time to study. Um, a lot of students struggle with this, especially because they have jobs, they have kids, they have other things going on in their life, and they probably underestimate the time involvement needed right so to to sort of be able to learn a good deal of what ux entails i think you would need around 20 hours a week for about six to nine months that is a lot of time i think people underestimate how much 20 hours a day mean uh 20 hours a week means um so it's very hard for them to sort of start having a um, discipline and a rhythm in terms of learning studying and um working on projects. The other thing that I noticed, they, they, it causes a lot of frustration and it's a struggle as 
they look for the right answer. And as you said, Anfisa, we're just evolving as an industry. Um, the UX term was coined 20 years ago by Don Norman, so it hasn't been that long. So nobody has the right answer. There's no Bible about design. There's no right um, one specific way to do things. But I think a lot of students come into these educational programs with the expectation that they will be told what is the right way to do a interview, a study, a user flow. And the reality of the industry is a lot of times that will depend on the context of your company, the time that you have, the budget, who are your stakeholders, all of those things, right? So they get confused, they get frustrated, and it's a struggle because they don't understand why everything is, is in motion and is so flexible. And then the third um, big thing that I would say is a struggle for people looking to transition to UX design is understanding the why. So they can definitely do the assignments that they're being given. They can draft a user flow. They can draft some personas. They can run some interviews. They can create some wireframes. But it's, I feel the biggest struggle is understanding why you're doing that and how is it useful to the design process. And this is one of the things that most of my students have struggled with and we're working and talking like most of our sessions revolve around the why, revolve around the fact that there's no right answer and revolve around the discipline and how to structure their time to study. Fantastic points from both of you. It's really hard to add something um, at, on everything um, you just said. Um, yeah, but I think the only thing I want to add, I think that one of the struggle that I see again and again by talking with people on UX goodies um, is the fact that it's really hard to choose an educational opportunity. So for them, it's this decision is really hard to navigate, especially since just like you guys said, there's a lot of uh, uh, information out there it's really abundant, it's really difficult to grasp. And so for them, it's really, it really feels like a very hard choice to make. What course, what bootcamp, what, I, I have a set of advice for people who are looking to make this decision, but many times I see them just, just even postponing their transition for many, many months, sometimes years, because they don't know how to start, they don't know what to choose, they can't make this decision, this commitment. So this is something that feels like a struggle for aspiring designers out there and also, sometimes figuring out if UX is right for them. So many people don't even know if they want to invest like one year in a bootcamp and then what if they don't like it? What if they put in seven months into it and it's it's not right for them? So this is something that it's really, it really feels difficult. And yeah, I can totally see people struggling with that, finding out, discovering if it's worth investing that much time and money and everything and effort into something that they don't know if they're gonna like. So. I will move on to in our conversation and just in line with uh, the struggles that we've just described, uh, what are some things that might help students when it comes to a successful transition? So we understand that there's a lot of struggle, but what do we understand around what works in easing down or helping people with, with this transition? I'm gonna go, I'm gonna ask Radu to go first this time to not discriminate. <laughs> uh, so Radu, what, what are some things that help people when they're transitioning? Awesome, yeah. So not to toot my own horn, but uh, my first item of the list would be mentorship. I think having someone who went through the same struggles as you did and can, you know, share some insights and can be there to to push you and to motivate you and to cheer on the sidelines 
um, can help a lot. And this is, we know this is something that a lot of um, students appreciate about um, the mentored type of program that are, that are out there. The other thing I would say is sort of resilience and understanding that it's okay to mess things up and do mistakes. Like these are your first projects, your first assignments. It's not going to be everything perfect. And I know a lot of students get demotivated because they look online, they see projects that are neatly arranged, uh, probably by designers who have spent only like a month on that case study, right? So it's a, it's a design piece in itself. And they look at that and they compare it to what they do and it demotivates them. So I would say resilience in terms of things that you don't understand, things that are, feel frustrating. I remember when I first learned Adobe Flash, um, which is long dead, but I essentially for uh, three months, I only spent time moving a, a red circle on the screen just to learn animation and all of the principles behind it. So you do, do need this kind of resilience to sort of move on and understand, hey, you know, th I'm going to do this better later on. I'm going to improve. So that's not going to be a problem. And then I would say because of that struggle of looking for the right answer, I think being open minded and being flexible uh, helps a lot in not getting stuck into like, okay, well, how do I do this? perfectly. So if you can get past that, then you can be successful. Um, and last one I would say is definitely discipline. So um, making sure you set the time and you, you work on your assignments and you, um, you read articles and you read books and you do all of that. I've seen that being a huge driver for success for students. Anfisa. Yeah. What's your take on that? I mean, <laughs> it's very hard to add something. Those were brilliant points. I wouldn't put it any better. Um, I guess I will just remind our favorite <laughs> theory or formula here, because I think it's very important to always keep in mind like a big picture. And that's maybe it's just my personal or I guess our formula that we have discussed together with Joanna a couple of times, but it's very important to keep in mind this, the general structure of any study is not just like reading one book <clears throat> or taking one course and there you're ready, right? Because a lot of people come into this transition with an expectation that I take this course, okay, it costs money, I'm, I'm paying, I'm investing, and then I finish the course and tomorrow I'm ready for a job. And a lot of people expect that. And I, I just, I'm always trying to repeat that it's not as simple. It's not that you take one course and you're fully ready for a job. Like you always have to put a lot of effort, a lot of work. Uh, it has to be indentious. You have to work with yourself. It's not just putting an expectation on someone that somebody will take you by hand. It'll take you there. Somebody will help you, but it starts from yourself. Um, so you do have to have all those qualities that Rada just mentioned with like discipline, with motivation, with resilience and all all that. But in terms of the formula, getting back to my original point <laughs> that um, we all usually start from theory. We usually start by formulating some fundamentals, some basic understanding. We build the concepts in our mind, right? Then the second step, we always have to practice it. And the tip we always try to give here in this podcast is that please try to not learn more than you can practice because otherwise you overwhelm yourself with way too much information and you start building up those concepts that, oh, I don't know anything. There's so much I can learn. I should learn and I don't know. And, um, you know, just start feeling like overwhelmed with yourself. And then I have a student who always reads, but 
but then never almost never practices those things because his clients are not about user <laughs> user centered um, decisions and so he's feeling himself like always like an imposter for about five six years and it's very hard to change this perception already it's like a very strong <clears throat> mindset so it's important to as you read something as you go through the course as you go through the curriculum or the book please make sure you have a project in mind where you can apply this knowledge. Otherwise, if you have a book about the new shiny process, please keep it on the shelf until you know that you can use it for some interesting project. Um, that's at least my approach, how I'm trying to do this. The second thing is, as I said, like practicing. Practice always makes perfect. Practice is when you actually start seeing the reality and understand how those concepts you've built are actually helpful or maybe not even helpful in the real life because we all have our own uh, mindset we have our thinking and not always what we hear from the outside applies to us not, not always matches with our thinking process so sometimes we have to critically think and evaluate the information we have received and use it or not use it depending on the context and the process and the third component like we always say, and I think Rada also mentioned it, it's very important to have the feedback uh, in a different format. It could be the feedback from your design manager, from your design team, your colleagues, or it could be a feedback from your mentor if you're in the very beginning of your journey. And you need, you really need an experienced designer to guide you, to help you to grow, to do navigate, to help you navigate in through this journey by building the confidence, but telling you um, or directing you to the best directions for yourself. And the fourth component, which I love so much, and I can't emphasize more the importance of it. And I hope you guys, I know that Ivana is on board with me on this point, but I believe maybe Rada as well, is that reflection is also a huge key to the success, to nailing, to digesting everything you went through in your, in your learning journey, and to actually um, strengthening your knowledge. Because it's when we start realizing what we've learned, what applies to us, what doesn't, um, what should be done better, what things I still have to improve, where I have gaps, and all those things. Because we learn always, Rada has 16 years of experience, and like I said, he's still learning. And that's probably because you haven't read one book and felt like you have learned it all, right? You still learn, you figure it out, and you still process information and adjust. And since it's a very um, fast-paced industry, like it's evolving really radically and quickly, um, there is a lot of learning we always have to do and adjust to the new standards and new things that are coming up. So it's a constant work in progress. It's, a con it's not just you took one course and you're ready to go. We always take new theory, practice new things, get the feedback from people and reflect and trying to nail down our knowledge. So next time we feel more confident getting into the projects and solving more complex problems sometimes. I wanted to add something because I think you said something really interesting. Um, and this is when you're, when you keep learning, I, I think another expectation you should have is once you sort of have this foundation that you laid um, to, to build on, then every new course, every new book that you're going to read is not going to provide you 100% new information. You're still going to hear things that you know, and you're going to still hear things that you've practiced or you've heard of or that confirm what you knew. And maybe you'll get like out of a book, maybe five or 10% new information. And I think that's great. Um, that's how generally um, learning um, goes. So um, yeah, I think it's important to have that expectation of not every new book or course will give me 100% new information.
Good point. And getting back to um, adding my personal take on this question, what helps you in a successful transition? There's hardly anything to add to what you guys just said. I just want to share my personal top. Reflection and mentorship are like number one, the most important parts that you need on this journey. Uh, also, the second most important thing is practice. You need to practice a lot. So just like Amfisa was giving that example of a student that's just reading and not practicing, to crystallize things, to, to, to make the most out of the concepts you're exploring, you need to put them to work. And the third thing, uh, I think it has been mentioned or not, um, it, it's, it's the part around networking and community. So it's really important for a successful transition to be part of a community, to build relationships in the industry, to reach out to people, to network like traditionally, but now network is not as traditional as it used to be. So it's a lot about joining the right communities, going in the right spaces, talking to people and putting yourself out there is really important for a successful transition as well. I think we have episodes around that uh, in the past. So I'm gonna go to our next point for this conversation, which is um, what does the UX education space need less of and what does it need more of? So um, what should we see less? For example, less abundance of content <laughs> uh, could be something. And what do we need more of? For example, more, I don't know, meaningful conversations or honest conversations. Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite Amfisa to start um, giving her perspective on this. So I'm yeah. you have the mic. Okay, I'll try, I'll try to be brief on this question. Um, I think that what we need to try to do more as, as the community in general is to, um, question the existing standards, have more honest conversation, but also embrace different opinions, but also trying to figure it out together and do not expect that there are right answers like Rada mentioned. <clears throat> I know it sounds very <laughs> general and abstract, but it's true that it's, it's, we are figuring itself out and we need more time. We need to have more of those conversations and we need to try to challenge the existing status quo to sometimes really figure out the best um, the best approaches in design and I'm sure it sounded very abstract so <laughs> we as some kind of established designers we need to try to ruin the preconceptions we need to try to be to not always sugarcoat everything we need to be trying to be honest and informative about what's coming up right it's a lot of beautiful things in our industry but also it's a lot of hardships that you will have to go through and you will always question yourself like like last weeks and my work I was super low like I was self-doubting myself all the time and thinking oh who am I even and stuff like that so it's not like you have figured it out you've built the confidence and everybody thinks oh it's beautiful you have experience and now you're like this very smart and confident designer and I've never experienced those symptoms it's not true we always have to be honest it's not just beautiful reality when you know everything and and that's it <laughs> right we have to be honest and have a conversation surrounded and I just like to keep it at that. <laughs> um, yeah, passing the mic to Rado. Completely agree. I would, uh, you know, double down on transparency and honesty. Design is can be a fulfilling career, but it's still a career. It's still a job. You'll still have difficult people to work with. You'll still have um, tough days when you don't feel like going to work, right? And I think we have this right now, this uh, idealistic depiction of being a designer means, you know, uh, sipping coffees daily, which we do, but, you know, it's not all that. And we have meetings that we're, you know, 
they don't go as great and we we fail sometimes and and that's fine it's just a career and a job just like others but it can be a fulfilling career as well so i think transparency and honesty about that um, is definitely good i would say we also i think we need more of um, education ux education uh, programs of any kind boot camps um, you know self-run courses because competition brings quality right so right now you have a couple of big players in the industry and then um, a couple of small ones i think more of this will push everyone to deliver better um, and to create better programs so i think that's great um, and we obviously need quality and i would say what we need less of is just um, those unrealistic promises i mentioned in the beginning i feel you know, we got to set expectations, right? This will take some time. You know, you'll have to go to interviews. You'll have to build a network. Your first job is going to be a bit tough, but that's just, that's just uh, life. So. Definitely, definitely, definitely. I totally agree with everything you both said. And the only thing that I want to add is that, well, actually it builds on top of everything you guys just said is that we need less magical solutions and less quick fixes and something that's super fast, like transitioning in four weeks or eight weeks. And I think another thing that we need more of is like more opportunities for junior designers. I yes, think this please. is a pain <laughs> that the industry has right now. And I think that companies and hiring managers should be braver around hiring junior designers because it's not like yeah, maybe they need more guidance and more time and it's going to take a bit longer before they can deliver uh, at the quality or they're expected. I don't know. Probably it's more time consuming, but at the same time, you are contrib contributing to building a better industry for the future and they're, they're going to put in a lot of work. And so this is a completely new conversation that I don't want to go into right now. But yes, please, the industry should create more opportunities for junior designers. We definitely need more of that. And this brings me to the last question for today. I think we have time to tackle it. I'm not overly optimistic. No, I'm not. And so the last question is, how can people assess and navigate different educational opportunities? So speaking about the struggle of not knowing what to choose when you want to transition to UX design, what are some points or things that one should look at when he's choosing between a course like, I don't know, Google's Coursera or IDF or a bootcamp or different bootcamps or what, how can they choose? What should they look at? I have my own personal take on this, but I'm going to let uh, Anfisa start. Uh, so Anfisa, yes. Um, okay. So if I try to start maybe broad from the bird's eye view, I would start that it's important to start from yourself. And maybe the second point, just to con like to complete this one, start from yourself, but also don't expect to figure out the best learning uh, resource right away. Actually, start from yourself. Don't expect to figure out the best resources right away, but also take different courses, different books, not too many, two, three, but like take it um, to access different perspectives and opinions and like figure out what's the best way for you to practice it. But now let me expand on those points. So when I'm saying start from yourself, it means that um, you need to really understand what are the best formats for you personally to learn? Uh, what fits your learning style best of all? Is it the books? Is it to read? So maybe you're more of this introverted person who prefers to read and build notions on your own. Or do you prefer more interactive formats when you're in a group setting, when maybe you're in a mentoring program, when there is a team of people who help you to stay accountable? Or maybe you're like this person who likes to figure it out on your own by doing, right? 
learning by doing, by practicing. Uh, so figure out the best way for you to practice. And based on this, start looking for the uh, resources that could help you uh, with this journey. Um, I personally, for example, when I started learning, it was a mix of so many different things. I actually started from master degree, which wasn't helpful. It was theory, and I was not understanding what I'm talking, what they're talking about. It was like a lot of smart people looking at me, saying some smart stuff, and I was like, "What are they talking about?" <laughs> it was just not useful for me. So I only figured out what they were talking about as I entered the hackathon, where I was like. I was like uh, entitled the role UX designer, which I didn't know what it is. <laughs> and so I had to be the UX designer because uh, I knew Illustrator and Photoshop. And then just because, okay, we had just 48 hours, I had to wear this hat and embrace it and remember everything that I've been taught on the theory courses and practice it. And then I was like, <gasps> experiencing this aha moment and realizing what is it all about and why it is so cool. So for me, I learned that it's the best way to practice, right? And then learn through practice and then reflect and then get back to theory theory, and resume this whole circle. circle. Um, but it's up to you, really. Like, I know different people. Some people really need people to learn. Some people need somebody to take them by hand and take them through the whole journey. That's why I'm saying it's important to know what's the best learning style for you personally. And maybe you have to try different things to realize it. Um, then I would also recommend to start broad to not like, okay, Google, Google is cool. Google has their certificate, let's jump for it. Because you still have to assess critically what's the best learning experience, learning style, learning given resource personally for you. Google is great, you can start, but don't expect that it will show you everything and you will finish it with like a confidence and know what to do again because we know that google has started this um, course and they were building a lot of notions that are relevant to them to their team to their company and not all of those notions will be massively applied across all the industry so um i would recommend to take some time in the beginning try to listen to different i don't know videos read different books just again to test watchers to try to see what are the different perspectives and opinions Start building your own sort of global notion, but then as you realize who you match best with, who you understand best, whose thinking matches your thinking pretty nicely, and then start like, again, taking their courses, then taking their programs, et cetera, et cetera. So um, this brings me to the point number three. It's maybe, well, I, I promise, like I recommend it to not take too much theory, but I also recommend to take uh, a couple of courses, just not at the same time. <laughs> to also expand your horizons because one company, one team would recommend you to do this way. But then you take another course and you figure out, that, oh, there is another way to do this. And then you have a better sort of library in your mind about what are the different ways to solve the problem. And so uh, take one course, practice it, take another course, practice it, take another course, practice it. It's like a constant learning journey. And even if you took a course from Google, but then you took another fundamental course from some other places, there will be a many things, many, many things that you haven't thought about in the, pre in the first course. So you have to constantly build this knowledge and this fundamental and strengthen it with different resources until you figure out what's the best formula, formula in your personal mind. For example, for me, I kind of figured that the best formula was 
the double diamond approach when it's like diverging converging mindset and it helps me and guides me in a lot of my decision making processes and stuff like that but for some people they would prefer design thinking approach they would prefer i don't know like design sprint approach when you build and then test so it's really like about trying different things and then figuring out the best way for you to work i have a student who was like also a student of my course who went through the mentoring program and he was also the opponent of double diamond but then he started taking more of the design um like design sprints uh courses and and programs and he figured out that he's much more interested in facilitation and quick sprints and so he kind of transitioned to more of this uh more fast i guess uh project or development process and spending so it's really um individual and so you have to take your time to figure out um the best format for yourself <laughs> i've been talking a lot so <laughs> let's move on <laughs> next <laughs> yeah you made a lot of great points so i'm not gonna repeat uh those i had some on my list as well so it um i think it's great that we kind of are aligned and we we see things the same way i would add to you know, how would you be able to assess or know if a certain program is for you is just try to talk, look up alumni and staff and talk to them, right? A lot of these programs offer a free conversation to sort of um, be able to assess if this is for you or not. And even if they don't, you could request one, I would say, and then talk to alumni and see how their experience was with um, that particular program and decide if it is for you. Now, obviously, not all programs will be 100% fit for you. There might be 80% or 70% and depends a lot on what you need. As um, you said, it, you got to look at yourself, understand what is the point where you're at right now in your career. Do you need more knowledge? Do you need guidance? Do you need practical projects? If you're someone who's just starting out and you never heard of design, you probably need all of them. So you got to look for something that offers all of those items. But if you're, let's say, um, designer who has been taking courses, who has been reading books, but hasn't practiced a lot or they're feeling lost, maybe you need something, a program that will help you build your portfolio and guide you. So it's really important to understand what you need and then look for those programs, talk to alumni, talk to staff, and understand if it's the right program for you. And even if they don't offer a call, just reach out to them and say, hey, you know, I'd like to spend 15, 20 minutes and understand if this program is for me. Fantastic points, all of you, all the points you've made. Uh, I'm going to be very quick around my points. Um, I think that you should start by thinking, so one thing that's really important, it has been mentioned already, is who will be teaching or mentoring you. So I think that it's really valuable that you know who that person will be, or at least you get to um, check out their LinkedIn or career or whatever, and maybe make sure that you're compatible with their personality. And I don't know, I just I just think that it, it's important to have transparency when it comes to who will be teaching or be mentoring you on this journey. Because it's like, for me, the quintessential aspect of a successful transition. So that's, that's really important. And I think that it's a problem when you enroll in, I don't know, big boot camps or whatever, and you don't know who's going to be your mentor, you don't know who you're going to get, and you don't know if it's going to work. And definitely, probably you can change them if, if it's not working. But 
I think it's really great to start off from a transparent point when you're when you're making this decision. Also, I think that it's really important to see if the if actually from a very tangible point, the the the, the learning system works for you. Is it self-paced? Is it classroom? Do you have to quit your job? Can you keep your job while you're doing that? So make sure because one very important thing to being successful when you're transitioning is that you are present in your in your uh, learning efforts. So you have to make sure that you can make it work from a time perspective. I think many people uh, underestimate the amount of effort or the, the how complicated it actually is to make things work. Uh, learning, keeping your job and doing things at the same time. So make sure that uh, opportunity you're going for accommodates your life situation. And I think that again, for me, probably I'm biased through UX goodies, but community and the, the people that you'll get to know, the network you're gonna build, the how accessible it is, I don't know, to reach out to other students, make relationships, the, be connected to recruiters, I don't know. So the 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 community aspect of, of this decision is super important. It's also something that feels underestimated in the beginning, but when you end up graduating and finding yourself out there, and now what? <laughs> and so that's that question, what, what do I do after I graduate? What's gonna happen to me? Community will help you a lot. So the network you're able to build during those weeks or months or whatever, uh, hopefully months of transitioning, um, will the, the 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 relationships you build will definitely have a huge impact on the success uh, with finding a job or with feeling confident or with feeling supported most of all. So I think that uh, because we've been talking a lot and it's been three of us and a lot of questions, so this is a very packed episode. Um, and I'm happy that we were able to circulate that much value between us. I propose that we skip the top three things because it's uh, actually going to be way too long. And plus, it's really hard to choose a top three today because everything we said, <laughs> um, it yeah. might sound narcissistic, but everything we said, yeah, feels extremely valuable. So um, yeah. if, if everyone agrees, I would say we wrap this up. Anfisa, do you want to add anything? No, I agree with you. It's like a lot of points. It's very hard to like, I in my head have maybe like dozens of points right now <laughs> that I would like to bring up. So it's very hard to say which, which, what's the first priority. But, uh, but I, before you wrap it up, I just wanted to also emphasize on the importance to find the person that fits you well. Cause I, you started this point and I just want, I was not in my head like crazy. <laughs> uh, Cause I felt like it's so important because if you're looking for a mentor, it's the person that you are, it's like therapist, right? Not every therapist will work for you. You have to have trust. You have to, you have to understand this person. This person has to understand you. This person has to be invested in you and not everybody will be on the same wave with you. So it's kind of important to find your person because this person will be guiding you and helping you to overcome a lot of personal fears and obstacles and help you to grow. And if this person doesn't really care about you, it's very, very hard to make this journey productive and not waste time or resources. So yeah, very big kudos to this point. <laughs> I just wanted yeah. to say that. <laughs> Thank you. Chemistry is so important. I can't yeah. emphasize that enough. And um, I want to invite Radu to add some final thoughts if he wants to, or if not, I can just go ahead and wrap up with the social part. <laughs> no, I think uh, it was awesome to be on that, this po podcast, my first one, and be able to share some of these um, insights that I've gathered over the years. I think it's um, might be very useful for people to understand like how they should make the most out of this so i was um I, i'm thankful for this opportunity 
to both of you. Thank you. You did so great. You should do Thank this you. more often for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> it didn't feel like it's your first podcast. You always seem so confident. I think you're actually, you are because you have like 16 years of design experience. So you have all the reasons to feel so. And um, yeah, so wrapping up, I want to invite everyone to definitely um, give you Honest UX Talks a review anywhere they want. It's going to help us a lot. And go follow Honest UX Talks on Instagram to make sure that you're up to date with all the episodes and the content that we're putting out there. And as a bonus for today's topic, I just want to invite everyone to check Amfisa's course into UX design, which is uh, something that's been making many students happy for a long time now. And to anyone who's looking for a bootcamp, like a uh, longer month, um, um, like a longer journey supported by a personal mentor and so on, I invite everyone to check out Mental Design Academy, which is the UX UI bootcamp that myself and our guest Radu have co-founded. We started working last year and we launched it uh, this year. So uh, Mental Design Academy on Instagram or uh, the website has the same uh, <laughs> mentaldesign.academy. So uh, definitely, you also have a lot of um, uh, channels on which you can contact us, any of us three directly to um, help you make sense out of this pursuit of uh, the perfect educational opportunity or the, the perfect system in which to transition. So all of us are super friendly and open and reach out to us and listen to more Honest UX Talks. And that's it, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode and stay tuned. Yes, and thank you, Rada, for joining us today. Thank you. Bye. 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 Bye.